She's lived with Suki and I for years, and we've gotten to see firsthand how she's lived what we were just talking about, of walking through hardships, but also how she has just like the most pure, simple faith that I've probably ever seen. There's a, a beatitude that says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see the Lord. And I feel like that is you. And so I am really, really excited to hear what you have to share from your journey with God. So let's welcome her one more time as she comes up to share with us. Some parts of this message will also speak to what we've been going through as a community this week. So, yeah, as Ryan said, um, I've been here at the ARC for the past 10 years. And uh, the last five years, I've just had the joy of leading our corporate efforts. Oh, thank you. There you go. Great. Yeah, I've had the joy of leading our corporate efforts in just stepping out in faith to serve our community here in Berkeley and also um, overseas. And during the day, I work at a local shelter for um, women who are in a recovery program. And so I really love our community at the ARC. Uh, there's nowhere I'd rather be. And even if I haven't met you yet, I wanna say I really love you. And um, this word, I pray, is just an encouragement um, that as we're um, you know, seeking to be a part of God's mission to restore the earth, um, we are empowered. We're empowered to love God by being a part of that mission. And so um, let's just pray together as we seek the Lord in this time. Dear Lord, we just first and foremost worship and adore you, God. Um, in all the songs that we sang to you, you're just majestic, you're all-powerful, and at the same time, God, you're gracious and compassionate. You're slow to anger and you're rich in love. And there's no one else, God, who's more worthy to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's your kingdom, God, that we're praying for to come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, we just love that you're on this mission, God, to restore the whole world. We're humbled that you would empower us to be a part of your mission. Jesus, we just thank you so much for, for what you've done on the cross. Uh, we just want to love you in return, and we want to fulfill the desires of your heart. Heavenly Father, we ask in this hour you would pour out your spirit upon each and every person in this room, Lord, and uh, fill us afresh, fuel us for the mission that you've called us personally to be a part of, in Jesus' name. So when I think about the mission of God, I just want to set up like a big framework in a couple minutes to to set the, set the ground here with the first slide. I'm not sure if the slides are going, but anyways, um, there's the Garden of Eden, right? God created us and saw that it was good. And uh, the fall of man, when we turned away from God and set our entire path toward death and destruction, eternal suffering. Um, and then we have Jesus on the cross, the turning point of history, when uh, he just comes on this epic missionary journey all the way from heaven to earth, the furthest distance I know, there's no flight for it. Um, <laughs> he gives his life for us on the cross. 
which gives us the opportunity to say yes to him again in every way that we said no to him. And so um, where we come in is this next phase, the restoration. And when Jesus reappears to the disciples, right after he gives his life on the cross, there's actually only a few things in the Bible that are recorded about what he says. Don't you want to know what they are? Um, So (laughs) there's the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And following right on the heels of that, the Lord promises us empowerment of the Holy Spirit in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So these are the verses that launch us into the season of restoration where more and more people are becoming disciples of Jesus all across the globe. Systems of society are beginning to operate with the kind of justice and peace you would expect if Jesus were the king. And the whole world begins to look more and more like heaven. So that leads us to the end of time. All nations are gathered before the throne of God, as it says in Revelation 7, 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So if we look at the big arc of this story, we see that God could have, right, just saved us and shoop, we go to heaven right away, or he snaps his fingers and fast forwards all the way to heaven, and we're there. Um, But instead, he chose to empower us. You know, he could have sent angels. He could have sent, like, Jesus himself just to go around the whole world and do everything. But no, I'm, I'm just floored and humbled by the fact that he empowers us to do that in this season. So that in all the places that we had contributed to the fall, in all the ways that we had continued cycles of sin in this world before we knew him, now we have the chance to say yes to him again and to be a part of that restoration of the world. And this is just what draws me to missions. Um, This is the beautiful aspect of the story that I love. And I'm thankful that he wrote the story this way because it gives us this chance to love him on the side of heaven. It gives us a chance um, to, to return the love that he had just shown to us on the cross. And so as each and every one of us are standing in this season of history, the restoration, um, we're empowered to love God by being a part of his mission. So I hope to encourage you with uh, a personal story, actually, um, which is the journey of how he's taken me from being unempowered to being empowered. And um, it starts actually when our very own Sarah Go invited me to church when we were growing up as friends, two little eight-year-olds. And uh, <laughs> I received Jesus in um, middle school, well, somewhere along the way. And then I was baptized in middle school, baptized in water. And at that point, I remember sharing a testimony of my water baptism and just being deeply moved by the knowledge that Jesus gave his life for us. And um, I wanted to serve him at that point. I really wanted to give him my life and um, love him with everything. I wanted to be a part of his mission and that whole grand story of restoring the world and all this. Um, But there was something missing. And when I came to college, for Berkeley, uh, Berkeley for college, um, I jumped in, I joined the fight for justice in the world in whatever way that I knew how, and I dipped my feet into some pretty heavy issues 
Um, I served with survivors of human trafficking in San Francisco, um, with men in a drug rehab in downtown Oakland, uh, with inmates in San Quentin prison, and with various troubled youth in East Oakland. And so throughout my college experience, I, I heard their stories. I heard, um, I learned about what was going on in the systems of society that were oppressive. And it really broke my heart. Um, I really felt enraged and weighed down by these things. And the problem with my fight of injust against injustice at that point was I didn't know that I was empowered. Um, I didn't know that the spirit was tangible and manifest and real and moving and active. And at the same time also, I wasn't healed from my own past. And so I was crushed by uh, just the weight of the world. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night in our college apartment and just feeling tormented by the knowledges of this injustice. And so I would go to our living room where we had this like prayer corner actually. We sectioned off with a curtain, like a cute little prayer corner. And so I would sit there, but pretty soon I would find myself like, like just so miserable, trying to pray, trying to intercede, but just like curling up and like feeling crushed by the weight of the world. It was really miserable and terrible. I can sort of laugh about it now, but it was really bad. <laughs> so I was, um, yeah, I was just uh, trying to engage with these issues, and they're also just poking at everything within me that um, I didn't know that the Lord wanted to heal yet. And so there's like, you know, I don't know if any of you experienced this, but, but there's a thing in like language in psychology called triggers, where like you see something in the world and it, like, it's like a trigger in your own soul. And it begins to bring up things that you've experienced. So I was experiencing like um, just the consequences of the abuse that I experienced in my childhood that I had never dealt with. Uh, I was feeling the pain of trying to live with all of those wounds and that loneliness of not being able to share with anyone. So my own life was just becoming unmanageable at that point, and I found myself drinking too much, I was cutting my arms on purpose, and um, I was like dissociating in my mind and disconnecting with reality in a sense, and I was just constantly depressed, just, just terrible. And so the turning point for my life was actually several things, but one Friday night, Pastor Ryan came to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and he spoke about um, a lot of things, but one particular statement just, just jumped out to me as though the Lord was speaking directly to me at that moment, and he said, if you want to break chains of injustice in the world, then the Lord has to break chains of injustice for you first. And since then, I've learned that the places where the enemy attacks us are precisely the places where he wants to empower us to affect that type of change around us. And so if you're fighting in an area of your life, I want to encourage you that I believe the Lord will and plans to empower you in that very place. So this is the year 2008. I was hearing all about this mysterious church that Ryan was from, the Ark. It was very mysterious at that point. Um, <laughs> nobody knew what was going on behind the doors. Um, I, I began attending. And um, the Lord really set me free in those first few months I was there um, initially. And he washed away a ton of the junk that I had kind of piled up in my spirit. He replaced it with the empowerment of his Holy Spirit. It was just night and day. So I remember being in times of worship here at the Ark and the Lord just revealing to me visions of the cross 
and what Jesus did there. And he bore all of the suffering of the world. He bore every injustice on the cross. And he said, it is finished, in a sense, and sends us to walk that out and to realize that happening in the world. Uh, I also came up for prayer ministry at the altar over here. It wasn't in this building, but I literally felt like weights lifting from my shoulders and like spiritual gunk just like flowing and flowing out, leaving my system. Uh, and I felt like lighter, physically lighter, maybe like about 50 pounds lighter, <laughs> I would estimate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was through more prayer um, from, from ARC members, including Pastor Suki and Isaac Kim, who's still here today somewhere. Um, but they prayed for me for something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And at that point, I hadn't heard about that before, but I believe that's what Jesus promised in Acts 1.8 when he said, but you will receive power when my spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. <laughs> and so um, that was a game changer. I remember um, receiving the prayer for the baptism of the spirit and the room was just filling with life, filling with like this fire that uh, I, had, I hadn't experienced before and um, began speaking in tongues and, and that was a wonderful gift. Um, but after that, I remember feeling like, wow, the presence that was in this room, it's following me everywhere I go. I'd go to school and it was there. I'd go home and lay down and it was still there. It's like, I'm living in this glory. I'm experiencing the presence of joy, peace and love for others at all times. And so through the baptism of the Spirit, um, the Lord really turned my life from this, like, darkness to light. And where I was sad all the time before, I was now, like, happy no matter what happened. <laughs> so it was incredible. I still had a, a few years, I just want to say a disclaimer, a few years of, like, walking out that healing over the course of several years. Um, even as I stepped into missions, I was still healing through a community of friendships, pastoral care, professional counseling, reconciling with my family. But I just believe that even if we're still healing, we can be a part of this mission. So through all these things, you know, he revealed his love. He revealed the power of the cross in a tangible way. And at that point, I was just so thankful uh, that I said to him, I would do anything for you, Jesus. I would, I, I literally felt like I, I had signed a blank check to him with my life and I was on fire, I was no longer overwhelmed by the justice, injustice of the world because I had seen what he had done in my life, which felt so miraculous to me that I had faith. I had faith for anyone else that I came across. No matter what they were in, I believed that the Lord could restore them as well and the entire world along with him. And so while I was in that healing process, um, I felt like I, I found a home in his presence. And I just remember being in my room, playing worship music, soaking in his love, just basking in that joy and peace like a little kid. And I was in heaven, like as close as you can get to heaven on earth. And actually, I didn't want to leave. So I felt, in a sense, like I just wanted to stay in this prayer closet and, you know, let everyone else do the work of justice. <laughs> I don't want to risk what I have here. And the thing is, in my times of prayer, I remember, you know, receiving his love, and then I'd ask Jesus, I'm so thankful for you, Jesus, like, what is it that you want? 
What can I do for you? I, I'm just in love with you. I want to do something for you in return. And so sometimes he would say things like, don't worry about that. I'm just happy that you're free. I just always want you to know how valuable you are to me. And sometimes he would say that. But sometimes he would say something different, like, you know, Emily, my heart's really burning. And he would start to feel kind of heavy. And he would say, my heart's burning for those who need me. Those who don't even know that I'm available to them, who haven't heard my name. They're crying out to this God in their suffering. And he showed me these images of faces of people who are on their knees and praying to an unknown God. To, and they don't even know, he said to me, Emily, they don't even know that I'm here for them. I need a voice to tell them my reply. And he showed me his dream at the end of time. Every nation, tribe, and tongue with him in heaven. He said, Emily, that's my dream. Will you help me? Will you help me? Will you do this for me? Will you do this for me? There are more who are lost. Will you go and find them and bring them home? And I said, yes, Lord. I'm so thankful for how you saved me. I'm, I'm more in love with you than ever. I would do anything for you. And at that point, I didn't know what it would cost. <laughs> but I said yes with all my heart. And, you know, it reminds me of what Pastor Ryan spoke about last week. He said, we can have intimacy with God. We can enjoy his gifts. We can bask in his glory. But are we in a relationship with him for our own sake or for his sake? When he asks us to do something, do we love him? And so I've been continually challenged since I said that yes about whether to just stay in the heaven that he had created, that he had brought to my life, brought heaven in my life. But I've been challenged, will I step out of that heaven? Will I bring others so that they can also be in heaven eternally? And so my question is, what is he asking you to do for him? In your times with him, in your personal relationship with him, um, what is it that he asks of you? So on my journey, I, I started by um, asking our pastors if we could, in, my, in response to his question to me, I asked our pastors if we could start taking teams from the ark overseas. So that was my first step of yes um, to the Lord. And on the ark's first trip to Manila in 2014, we met um, a young boy named Ariel. Uh, previous photo. Ariel lived in this community. It's actually in Manila, in the Philippines. And um, this is just a picture of one section where Ariel lives. But there are actually thousands of families who live in conditions like this where homes are built on top of the city's landfill. And the floor is made up of trash, there's no plumbing, children and adults alike will survive by recycling the materials that they find in the landfill. So in the face of this extreme poverty, we met so many beautiful families. They're incredibly resourceful, generous, inter interdependent upon each other, and just simply wonderful. So we grew to love these families just by, just by meeting them. And um, a, a child named Ariel in one of the families 
um, the Lord spoke to me through this child. And Ariel was just talking about his home. I was walking with him, and he said that his dad was out of the picture. His mom had a mental illness, so she was unable to take care of him. His older sisters uh, were never home, and he suspected they were caught up in their own type of trouble. And at the end of my conversation with Ariel, the Lord just whispered to me gently, don't you want Ariel to have the type of home that I've just given to you? And his words just hit me. His words hit me um, like a ton of bricks because where I had said yes to him in sort of a ephemeral, I mean, not ephemeral, in sort of a vague way, um, it suddenly became very real. This child, this community, um, this, this particular place and time. And because it was so tangible, I knew that my answer to this question would really cost something. Um, but thankfully, we're empowered to say yes. We're empowered by the love that we received on the cross and by his Holy Spirit. And so when I stepped back into flight, the fight for justice, um, at that point, I was empowered. I knew, number one, the salvation of the cross and how real it was. I was empowered by a love for him, by faith that he could restore others that, as he had restored me. And number two, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was empowered with spiritual gifts I didn't know about. I began to hear the voice of God speaking, um, praying for others, not in my pitiful corner, but praying for others with faith and power, <laughs> um, sharing the gospel with boldness, and witnessing God do miracles for others, healing them and saving them as well. So my message today is basically that we're empowered. We're empowered to love God by joining his mission to restore the world. We're empowered not only right before he gives the Great Commission by the cross in Matthew 28, right? Well, end of Matthew, Jesus gives his life and then he asks us to do something for him in the Great Commission. And then right after the Great Commission, he empowers us by his spirit in Acts chapter two. And so um, I wanna talk a little bit more about that empowerment of the spirit and what that has looked like. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and to the ends of the earth. And I know this looks different for everyone, but I'm gonna tell a few stories about international missions because that's, that's what God has spoken to me. Um, and so there's one story I have of how the Spirit empowered me um, even beyond my education at Cal. And so when I was studying social work and global poverty at Cal, I loved it, I learned a lot, um, and I distinctly remember at the end, I took a class from this very renowned professor, and um, it was the cutting edge curriculum in global poverty, the fight against global poverty. So I was like, yes, this is gonna be the answer. And the thing is, <laughs> at the end of the class, I remember the professor's conclusion, concluding statement of the whole course, and she said, um, you know, we're trying, but guess what? People burn out, resources either run out, or they're, we haven't found a way to funnel them effectively. Um, we also don't have any transformative, truly transformative frameworks for how to go about this thing. And so that was the end, and I thought, I knew, I knew something was missing. <laughs> there had to be more, there had to be more, there had to be more. Um, so, 
the thing that I the thing that I love about the ARC is we love education, we value, I mean, many of us are in higher education and all that, and we know that God is empowering us not only through these incredible privileged opportunities, but also through the power of his spirit and his Holy Spirit. So right after graduating from Cal, I wanted to pursue that side of the story, and I spent a few months in a mission school in Mozambique uh, with Iris Ministries, which was founded by Roland and Heidi Baker. A few of, uh, a few of you may have heard of them and I saw the Holy Spirit in action where he was needed the most. So Iris Ministries is, if you're not familiar with it, they, they really rely on the miracles of God in order to manifest the dreams of God because God says such crazy things to them, like big dreams for the country of Mozambique that they could never accomplish on their own, even if they had all of the knowledge and all of the practical skills. They also needed miracles. And so um, during my time in Mozambique in 2010, I got to witness this firsthand when I visited a village and there was a serious drought at the time. Um, the villages, there's a photo of uh, the, Moz the villages in Mozambique. This is actually a photo with a couple of us here because we went back to visit in 2016. But this just to give you an example of like a village with a family of children and mamas. And they're so beautiful they have wonderful clothing, and they grind food in this little urn here. But one of the biggest needs that they have is actually water, um, because there's space, there's fresh air, and things like that, a space for kids to run around. Um, but, but water is constantly running out. And so um, basically, when I was at this village, there was a small group of children, um, five or six kids who just came up to me, and they were holding these empty water bottles. And they started to point at my water bottle, which had about like half of it left, maybe. It was bigger than this, it was a one liter bottle. But that was all the water they had for the whole weekend that I was staying in this village. And I felt my grip kind of <laughs> holding onto it tighter and tighter. And the kids were like, and their faces. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. And the Holy Spirit, of course, the Holy Spirit is whispering to me, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to give to one child just because there are so many more. I mean, if I start pouring this water to one child, who is the village going to come? Um, so all this is flashing through my head. Not only that, what could happen, but the Lord started to flash through my mind my entire college experience of being overwhelmed, of, of learning about every, all these needs in the world, and it's just too much, Lord. I can't do anything. I'm just going to hold on to what I have. But as I began to pour the water, the Lord multiplied it. It just didn't run out. And he provided for those precious children in that village in a time of drought. And I still had enough for me. It wasn't as much as I had at first, but it was still enough. <laughs> so I was just amazed at our Lord. Our Lord is amazing. He can just multiply water. He can just multiply anything that he wants. And he took away all of my fear at that point. He took away my self-preservation. He took away my limited mindset. And he replaced it with the power of his spirit. So I want to share a couple of stories from ARC International Missions because many of us in this room have made sacrifices, have made similar choices 
where they had to trust God to come through. And one story is from uh, Calcutta. This is our second trip overseas in 2014. And um, it was a time when a few (laughs) original Arkers, we call, um, were sacrificing their vacation time. You know, you could take two weeks in Aruba or like, I don't know, wherever you want to go. But instead, this whole team of ARC members used their vacation time, their money. They pushed past their fears of, and discomforts to share the gospel with people in a village where there's a very small percentage of believers. And some people are from even unreached people groups that the Lord desires to have with him in heaven. And so I saw that as, just as our team was especially struggling here, we had just gotten to our living quarters and there were like worms in the toilet and we were like, I don't know, the, the beds were a little bit springy and our backs were getting uncomfortable. And so anyway, they're all human discomforts, but there's something. And so um, we, were, we were there and I saw that in the spiritual realm, our missions team was working together and it's like we were carrying this big gift box It was all shiny, it had a bow on it, and it was so big that all of us had to get around a different corner of it and carry it together. So as we were just gingerly walking, we were walking toward Jesus, and he was standing in a corner of the room with his back to us, and when we got to him, one of us just kind of tapped him on the shoulder, and he turned around, and he gasped. (gasps) And he said, for me? And he was so thankful he was so moved and so blessed by our gift. And at that point, I was like, I was, um, I was surprised because I was like, well, isn't this the rightful response? Isn't this just only right? But the thing is, I believe that he's truly thankful for anything that we give him because he loves us freely. When he went to the cross for us, he didn't expect we would give him anything back. He had no strings attached. Even if we don't respond with gratefulness or a life surrendered to him, he loves us, and he gives us the true choice of whether to love him in return or not. He doesn't take it for granted, and I believe he's thankful. He's truly blessed by each and everything we do for him. And so in every place that you've said yes, and you've chosen, and you've continued to say yes to the Lord, he's so thankful. He is, uh, he's in tears, of joy, just just moved by the gifts that we give him. And so on that very trip to Calcutta, we actually had something in the box, which is good, it wasn't empty. And so we joined, we joined this local church, um, uh, actually the previous photo. Yes, this is the local church where we were with in Calcutta. And they had this great strategy, actually, um, kind of reminds me of our home groups here at the Ark, but they would establish house churches in various neighborhoods inviting neighbors who didn't know about Jesus yet. It was mostly either Hindu or Muslim area. And so uh, they would cram into every corner of the small home and give us the seats of honor. This is like actually the bed. And so the whole room is full. The air is filled with sound of this Indian dabli drum. They're worshiping the Lord, worshiping. And then after we brought the presence of God, they would ask one of our team members to share a word from God share the gospel. And so um, then we would pray for the sick. And at one point, um, one of our ARC team members prayed for a woman who had this tumor on her neck. 
And we don't know if it was cancerous or benign, but nonetheless, it was uh, a growth of some kind. And it shrank right under her hand as she prayed in Jesus' name. And so Jesus did this miracle for this woman. And uh, she was well known in the community. And when, when others saw that like this had happened on the spot, um, eight, there were eight other people from another faith who chose to follow Jesus that day. And so that's, that's why the Lord is blessed to have, um, the Lord was blessed at that point to have eight more of his children with him in heaven forever. And that was a gift we were able to give to the Lord. And I believe that each and every one of the ark trips have done the same thing for Jesus. Um, we've given him a great big gift box that just blesses him with the desire of his heart. And another example is when the ark uh, went to Nepal last year, the team sacrificed their time and money again, and each person on the team actually made a calculated choice. This was a unique situation um, where Nepal had just begun to pass a law that made proselytization illegal with um, a sentence to prison for anyone who was sharing, trying to con- you know, bring someone to another faith. And so every member of the team had to make this choice. Am I still going to go on this trip? Am I going to risk my personal safety in the face of this law? So everyone said yes, and we traveled to this small town on the border of Nepal near India. This is a village that we went to, and there was a very small church, one small church in that small town. They had Sunday service in, their, in the hallway of the pastor's house, and they were so faithful for years. The pastor told us the story of how their church had persevered in that space. And he said that they had never done any public outreach of any kind. So our team had this humbling privilege of going with them on their very first public outreach in their town. And so we set up this projector screen once the sun went down, and we showed a film about the life of Jesus, which many people in this village, which was mostly Hindu and Muslim, had not known before and hadn't known who Jesus was. Um, and a whole crowd of neighbors just gathered to watch, and the local pastor spoke. He's the one in white. And then our very own Gina Lee shared her testimony. She's the one next to the guy in blue. And um, Gina was, I was so proud. She just shared so boldly. And in the middle of her testimony, actually, we faced some opposition. There was a tuk-tuk that just zoomed right up from that, this side of the crowd, and a man got out and started to protest. And he's, we didn't know what he was saying in another language, but he seemed clearly upset at what was going on. He stood right to the side of the stage and started yelling. And so uh, we looked to the local church about what to do, and they're like, keep going, this is great. And so Gina just <laughs> kept sharing her testimony. She just kept sharing. And uh, the rest of our team kicked our intercession into high gear. Um, <laughs> and then, thankfully, the man who's protesting, he just actually started to join the crowd, and he sat right in the front row and began listening. <laughs> and so that was wonderful. We were like, woof. So after we shared the gospel in the, these forms, um, we realized that many of the team members, uh, many of the uh, members of the community had back pain because we were offering prayer, and all, almost all of them were pointing to their back. Um, we believe that's because the, the livelihood in that small town has a lot to do with hard labor. And it's very hard on, on the human body, too hard for anybody really to carry. 
And so many people had back pain. Um, I remember Alex Lee praying for a couple of teenage boys, one of whom had, uh, had, was working in hard labor and had back pain. And um, he was healed on the spot. Jesus took away all of his pain right there, right then and there. And <clears throat> um, both of the boys who were standing with him um, just prayed to Jesus for the first time and received him in their heart. And so then they joined the local church that was there, the small local church. And so the Lord was blessed. The Lord was blessed because we went, because there are now two more boys in heaven who wouldn't have been there, possibly. <clears throat> and more people as well at that night received uh, salvation, received healing. And the Lord says, I want every nation, tribe, and tongue with me. And he empowers us to do so, so that we can bless his heart forever. So these are just a couple stories from ARC International Missions, but of course, um, being a part of his mission has countless expressions, and everyone here in this room represents a different place where he is trying to reach, where he wants to reach. And so in that place, I just want to encourage us again, we're empowered. Um, we're empowered by our love for him and by the Spirit. The Lord is saying to us, you know, I've given you this power to restore the world. I want you to be a part of my story from Genesis to Revelation. And I'm asking you to do something for me. Will you say yes? And Joe's yes is just ringing in my, my ears right now because sometimes it gets hard. Um, but it, even in those hard times, how will we choose to respond to the love of Jesus that he showed us on the cross? Will we respond to his great commission that he gives to the global church after the cross? Have we received the promise of the Holy Spirit from Acts 1.8? <clears throat> and will we choose to love him with all that we are and all that we have? So in response, it takes our yes. It takes our yielding to the Holy Spirit, wielding that power of choice that God has given us either to perpetuate, continue to perpetuate cycles of sin by our inaction or by our actions, um, or we can choose to be a part of his mission to restore the world, to live our daily lives with that awareness that we're kind of set. We're set forever. We're saved, guys, um, for everyone here who's saved and who's received Jesus. <laughs> if you haven't, please come up for prayer. Um, but... <laughs> but <laughs> We're set forever. We're, we're good. So this lifetime now, what's it for? It's for others. It's so that we can bring more people to heaven to celebrate and party forever. And so we want to just keep saying yes. We want to say yes and keep saying yes in our small decisions, in our big decisions. You know, say you have an extra hour in your day and you could either like twiddle on your phone like I do sometimes or, or just, I don't know, feel discouraged. Or we could use that hour and think, who in my life could I love right now? Um, who could I reveal Jesus to and bring them one step closer to him? And we need to say yes in the big decisions. Um, the small ones are, are harder, like Ryan says sometimes, but the big decisions too. Um, when we're wondering, like, what career path do I choose? Um, we could choose something to, like, make a ton of money for, our, for ourselves so we can maintain our comfortable lifestyle and secure our future and know that we're good, even though we're good forever. 
Um, <laughs> or we, we could choose like a career to make a ton of money and um, to, to fund his kingdom purposes. And so it's not really about the action, it's about what the Lord is calling us to do. Um, we need to choose something that the Lord is calling us to do to fit into his master plan. And so it's, it's a lifestyle of love, really. Um, every action that we do, motivated by this love that we receive from Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, and every hour of the day, whether we're working or serving, whether we're resting or playing, we can do all those things in response, with response um, to the cross with the motivation of love. And I've come to realize that, like, even if we're resting, we're resting to love ourselves. And it's good to love ourselves. Um, we need to rest to love ourselves, and then we can love others again when we're rested. And if we're just playing, um, we're, we're playing with the motive of love. We need to play to feed our joy. We need, our, we need joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so our play is this purposeful, loving act for the whole world and not only for ourselves. So it takes our faithful yes in big decisions and small decisions every hour of our day, every day of our lives until we see him again. We're saying yes. We're saying yes in our actions and we're saying yes in our hearts. We're staying faithful in action and full of faith in our spirits at the same time. And sometimes it takes our radical yes, our radical yes when it requires taking up our cross. And the cross, I love the image. There's countless um, revelations from it, but I like to think of the cross as our image of connecting vertically with God and also horizontally with others in the world. So Jesus on the cross, in his vulnerable, sacrificial state, is our image of opening our arms wide to the world. No matter what it costs, we will give a radical yes. And when it gets hard to keep saying yes, we can, re we can return to the love of the cross, the power of the Spirit. I'm compelled by this love. It's a fiery, unquenchable love. And when I think about how Jesus gave his life, when the Father gave his only son for us on the cross, I, I just get undone. I get set on fire again. And we can think of all the ways that the Lord has blessed us. Think of, recount all the ways that he has made his salvation real to you. My preview of hell was this depression, this mental torment, this loneliness, this separation from others and from God. And he saved me from that. He intervened and set me free. And now what I want to do with my freedom is just to love him in return. I'm determined to love him in return and church, I want us to love him together. Let's love him. Let's, let's just love him for what he's done for us. Let's love him like with all that we've got. And we're empowered. We're empowered to do that. And so my question is, um, yeah, how has he loved you? How has he loved you? Um, let's spend some time thanking the Lord for how he's loved us, saying yes to him again in the hard places, and I want to ask the Father for just this fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit.
um, that he would fill us anew, that he would drive out anything that's, that we've collected along the way on our journey from the world <clears throat> that weighs us down. His spirit will just flesh that out of our system and we'll be ready again, we'll be empowered, we'll do this thing. And so um, if the worship team could come up. I don't know if I'm leading the response. Okay. <laughs> the worship team could come on up. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. All right. We're doing it. We're going for it. Oh, all right that was amazing uh as i was listening there think uh, listening to emmy's message there was something very specific that the holy spirit was speaking to me and sometimes when suki and i are running the service what we'll do is we'll hear the lord in the way that that he's speaking to us and think that it's corporate and what i think happened in that word is that i think everyone felt like there was something specific to them and that's, that's the power of an anointed message where the Holy Spirit is on it and he converts it into something that's, that's tailor-made for each individual. That was amazing. Um, in that type of a message, what I want to do is I'd love for you to just pray what you were saying at the end mm-hmm. for a new baptism Amen. of the Spirit and a new yes. influx of the Spirit to flush us out. Mm. And then I, what I'd like to do is open up the prayer altars however God was speaking to you, whether it was mm-hmm. through the O's testimony at the beginning or whether it was through Emmy's message, I think the Lord did a lot to speak in very specific ways during the service. So um, there's prayer ministers up here, and the reason why we do prayer ministry afterwards is because uh, the Lord has told us that there's a power that comes from praying for one another, right? Like he says, if you're sick, he doesn't say, go pray for yourself. He says, go to the elders of the church and have them lay hands on you and anoint you with oil and you'll be healed. He says, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. There's, 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 there's indications that we get in Scripture that coming and taking that action of joining another person in agreement for his will over your life is extremely powerful. And so that's why we do prayer ministry every week. And we have people up here who are, are willing to agree with the will of God over your life, whether prophetically, whether you don't know what that is, they can, they can help you discern that, or whether it's like, I, I heard this, I want this, come and agree with me. But we're going to open up the prayer altars, or the altar uh, up here for prayer ministry as we go into worship. So we're going to have Emmy pray for us. The worship team's going to do their thing. And then if whoever wants to come up to get prayer, 